engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 234. And today in the show, we are back again with our Rut Radio mini-series in which we are getting our weekly from the field reports on the latest in deer activity, behavior, current conditions and the tactics that are working right now all right welcome to the wired tunt podcast brought to you by onyx and we're back again for another week of our rut radio mini series with me to help do that is Spencer Newharth. Spencer, have you killed Lieutenant Dan yet? I have not, uh, but that would be from a lack of effort. I don't what are you doing with your time? <laughs> uh, I am saving up my time until November, basically. Like, you have vacation days at work and, like, you have vacation days with your wife, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to burn all of those wife vacation days in mid-September when it's 94 degrees. So... Fair enough. I am, uh, yeah, stockpiling them until we hit uh, November. Well, I, I see your logic, so I'm gonna give you a fair pass. I'm gonna give you a free pass on that. But uh, yeah, I'm a little jealous that you can be whitetail hunting though, because I'm home in Michigan, and our whitetail season is is like two weeks out still. So I kind of went from being able to hunt. Now I'm back in this like purgatory, where. I'm stuck waiting, but I've already kind of got started, so I've got like the fever, and now I'm just struggling. So I'm ready to get going again, and there's a lot of folks though that have been hunting, huh? The season's opening in where? Wisconsin, Minnesota, Missouri, all over the place, right? Yeah, and then some localized openings in some southern states as well. So it's uh, getting to that point within these next few weeks, we should see like all the whitetail states open up. Yeah, yeah. So who then do you have on the show for us today uh, talking? Uh, we start off with Tony Peterson from Bowhunter Magazine in Minnesota. Then we talk to TJ Unger in Montana from The Virtue TV. Then we go to New Jersey and we have Patrick Cutter from Red Hand Outdoors. And then we talk to Michael Hunsucker in Missouri from Heartland Bowhunter. Excellent. Do we have any kind of consensus? Or uh, It seems like, from what I've been hearing, it's been kind of hot and slow, at least around the places I've been talking to. Is that what we're hearing across the board? 
Yeah, that would uh, that hits the nail on the head when you say uh, warm weather and lack of movement. We're also getting uh, a lot of acorns dropping around the country. That's kind of started recently, and you know people talk about them literally raining down uh, from gusts of wind. So I think that's going to be another big theme in 2018. Last year, in the episode in January, where we kind of wrapped up the season, we hit on some of the uh, you know talking points of rut radio. That was one of them on almost every episode, and it sounds like a lot of states are dealing with big uh, acorn crops again. So I have a feeling that's something we're going to hear about a lot over this next month. And I think this next month is also kind of the most exciting time of rut radio. It's sort of the most nuanced hunting for whitetail archery guys. Um, it's not like it was, you know, for the last two weeks where you're catching deer on summer patterns and and finding bachelor groups and stuff like that and it's not like what it will be in november either when the rut kind of trumps all this next month or so is is when you really have to work for those deer so i think these are going to be some of our best episodes of rut radio and like last season when we would hit october you talk to some people um in in the same very same episode you'd hear movement that was a two out of ten for them uh, and then someone else just a couple states away felt like they were experiencing like a 9 out of 10. So it'll be some unique hunts and unique reports going all the way through the end of October. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up last year's episodes and those interviews throughout the year. And I was just thinking the other night, I was actually laying in bed, you know, thinking about all sorts of stuff. And I thought to myself that it would be a good idea to go back and listen to all of last year's or maybe even the year before all of those rut radio episodes because I think you can start to notice trends or different correlations and then look for those things in the future and apply what we learned from those guys. So, for example, if you've got a hunt at the beginning of October, go back and listen to those episodes around that time frame last year and around that time frame the year before and you're going to hear from Joe Blow in Missouri, and you're going to hear from Ben in Michigan, and you're going to hear from Steve in Georgia, and they're going to talk about, well, we had this condition coming in, we had this front coming in, we had this thing happening, and this is what we saw, or this is how I worked on it, or this is what I tried to do because of that. And I'm betting that there'll be things you hear about from those past years that would be applicable to what you have coming up. Um, so I think even though it's, you know, speaking to specific things happening in the year 2016 and the year 2017, right? There's these patterns that repeat every year where this front moved in on October 1st and this is what happened. And four guys saw similar things. So this year, if a similar front rolls in at the same kind of time frame, or if the similar situation with the hard mass crop or something, you can apply that to what's coming up. Um, at least that in my head, I was thinking that might be helpful even for me. Um, since I haven't heard those in so long, I'm thinking that I might do that on my upcoming drive home from Montana. I might go binge listen to radio episodes and see if I can't uh, pick something new out of that. Yeah, and a good example of that is this week we're talking to Mike Consucker in Missouri. Well, last year in Missouri, he tagged a really big buck at the end of September. And I asked him in our interview, I said, is there anything that you can take away from last year's hunt? And apply uh, to 2018, and he said, "Yeah, there's there's a cold front that is timed very similar from this year to last year, and that's when it's going to be his first hunt of the year coming up here at the end of the week." So, yeah, uh, just like you said, uh, you know, there are things from years past that you can apply to this year. And uh, going back and, and touching on like that acorn crop thing, Tony had told me off air that a good indicator 
in Minnesota for them regarding like the the mass crop available is the number of deer or excuse me the number of bear harvested in this season they're down 30 percent right now and that would be due to many of the deer excuse me many of the bear killed in Minnesota are killed on bait piles but if there are a bunch of acorns and other natural food sources available those hunters can't find those bear on the bait piles because they have no reason to come into them and bear and deer largely eat the same things and so with yeah. that uh harvest being way down this year you know that's a good indicator that these deer have a lot of food sources available as well so those northern states uh minnesota wisconsin michigan it's something you're probably gonna be battling uh you know all season this year when i had when i was out in late august doing some work just loaded the, ac- the oaks are just loaded with acorns and dropping them and i can see where on my some of my um trail cameras that i've got i've got some cameras pointing out into a food plot but then there's also oaks on the back side of the food plot and in one of these cameras specifically that i checked a couple weeks ago i had it point at the plot these deer were coming through it didn't even seem like they were stopping in the food plot at all they were heading right to that oak tree and then there would be five six deer all right underneath that oak eating the acorns not touching the plots. So I think that if you're trying to focus on a green food source or some little food plot or something here in the next few weeks or early October, to your point, Spencer, you might not see the number of deer you would hope because they're going to be back in that timber. So I'll be interested to hear what everybody has to say, and especially in the coming weeks, once I start hunting in October, I know it's going to impact me because I have some spots set up for the early season trying to get them on these little food sources, but I it's probably not going to work out. I, I think it's either you're, you're going to have to wait or you're going to have to dive in there if you've got a safe way to hunt into that timber when they're on those oaks. Um, that's going to change things up for people. One final thing regarding food sources that I want to touch on and, and plug a little bit is on my blog, Rut Fresh, I just wrote about um, whether or not it's true that deer won't eat yellow soybeans. I think that's something we've heard a ton of people say, and you talk to hunters and they say, oh, you know, not seeing much right now. The beans are turning. But I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around um that statement that deer won't eat yellow soybeans so so go check out rut fresh uh you'll find that as the latest blog where i kind of talk about um what i think is actually going on there with the phenomenon that people think that deer will hammer soybeans when they're green or brown but not yellow and with that i think we go into the episode and get to our first caller tony sounds good before we get to our first update let's pause for a word from our sponsors at whitetail properties This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Tony Hansen, a land specialist out of Michigan. And Tony is going to be telling us about what factors matter most on a property in high-pressure areas. Well, to me, it's it's variety. So even though, I I mean, I own and kind of hunt a lot of small properties, you got to look for a a mix of things. You You need food for sure, but you need cover probably even more. So... You know, I need to have all of the pieces that the deer needs because I don't want them traveling very far and I don't want them to feel like they have to travel very far Um, because, you know, especially during our gun season when there's, you know, nearly a million guys out there, if a a deer moves, it's it's got a real good chance of getting shot. So I try to find properties that have everything you need right there. And yes, neighborhood matters, but it doesn't matter quite as much as what you can, you know, do right there on your own property. So you want to make sure that you have food and cover and, um, you know, bedding areas, security places, and 
sanctuaries are a big thing uh, with me too. So I look for a lot of variety in the, in the property. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Tony currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. All right, and joining us on the line first is Tony Peterson from Bowhunter Magazine in Minnesota. Now, Tony, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I would say, you know, we're probably sitting at about a 5. See, we're 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 right in the middle right now. You know, I mean, it's it's been real hot. We got we got a cold front coming in that'll help. But you know, right around the opener, there's always some movement you can find if you know if you know where to sit. And even if it's hot like it's been, you can find something uh, a real green field or or a little water source to sit over where you'll see some bucks if you're doing it right. Well, in Tony Peterson fashion, you filled your tag in in Minnesota uh, very quickly. Tell us a little bit about that hunt and a little bit about that setup. Um, yeah, you know, opening night, it was, it was 88 degrees when I got out of the truck and I intended to go sit a, uh, a little staging area and play off some acorns as deer moved down to the fields. But on the way in, I had a, I had a different stand that I had to walk past and it was on this, on this alfalfa field, you know, that I, I put up for a gimme hoping I can kill one early season. And there was so much deer sign getting in there that I was like, I don't, I don't really think I should be walking past this stand. And it, it was hot and I knew the wind was right. And I knew there would be some deer coming into that green field, that alfalfa field. And so I sat up there and had a couple bucks and some does come out and the biggest buck in the group offered me a shot. And I was out, you know, at seven o'clock at night on opening night. So that's how that shook out. Well, that was a well executed hunt, Tony. I, uh, Assumed you would get it done opening weekend, and you did. So tell us a little bit more about the food sources in Minnesota right now. What are those whitetail focusing on here in mid-September? Um, you know, in Minnesota, it's like a lot of places, a lot of states around here right now, there's an abundance of food. And, you know, if you could get on the right apple tree or, the, you know, the right white oak, you'd, be, you'd probably be on fire. But generally, uh, when it's this hot, I just, I like something green. If I, if I'm not hunting water, I like alfalfa or something nice. If you could get like maybe a late planted uh, soybean field um, where they're still eating some of the leaves, that, that can be a good thing, but just something nice and green that isn't dried out. Cause they're, they're looking for some moisture. I mean, it, that, that's my fish in any way. It seemed like most of the country had a large mass crop last year. Did Minnesota have that as well with uh, plenty of acorns on yeah, the ground? Sure. They, they did. And I, you know, it, it changes every year, it feels like, but last year felt like we had a lot of acorns, and this year we definitely have a ton of acorns. So how do you think that will affect things going into the end of September and the beginning of October uh, for deer movement? Um, I think you'll be dealing with some, some staging area stuff. You know, the, the way that the acorns set up in a lot of places, or the oak trees, I should say, is, you know, if if as as there's fewer horses out there that become even more important, and they can they can get a lot of good nutrition feeding under one tree, and so it's kind of a kind of a deal where you might not kill that field edge buck in a couple of weeks because it's you know there's been a lot of pressure already or whatever your your specific situation is. But if you can find those acorns where they're where they're hitting them right now, you know if you can get in and scout right now and hang and hunt, um, or for the next two weeks or so, that's that's going to be important. Um, those those acorns definitely will play into the play into most strategies i would think 
And do you think that abundance of acorns uh, would make it easier or harder to kill uh, an early season buck in the morning? Uh, I don't know if it makes it any easier. I, I don't like when they have lots and lots of options. I would rather have them only have a couple trees that they could go hit. But it's you know it, it's just all about your specific situation. If you can get in and find the one that they're hitting, and it's not going to be you know run a trail camera because by the time you're running a camera and checking the pictures and seeing what's going on, that might be over. It's going to be you know hike in with a stand on your back or going in a nice little rain shower and take a look around and where they're feeding because it's it's pretty obvious when you find a tree that they're pounding or or a set of trees that they're pounding. And so it's going to be kind of an you know in the moment type of hunt. Well, you were headed to Wisconsin here at the end of the week. What are you going to be focusing on then? Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be hunting some public land that's got it's big wood stuff. Um, but I the the place I'm most curious about hunting has a soybean field kind of close to it. That's a private field, but I I think I can catch them coming and going. And I do have one ridge scouted out that's got some oak trees on it in a specific spot. So I'm gonna. When I get over there, I'm going to go take a look at the sign and just kind of make my decision then, see what's, see where I think I should be. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Minnesota? I, I would say we could get to about a 7. That cold front coming in should uh, should crank things up a little bit and get some earlier movement in the evenings. And I think I think it's going to get better. All right, Tony. Well, good luck on the rest of your public land adventures, and thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is TJ Unger from the Virtue TV in Montana. Now, TJ in Montana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Hey, Spencer. So this is uh, day three for us out here at Powder River Outfitters in Montana. Um, So we've had a few good sits. Um, Concentration so far as deer numbers are very, very high. But so far as buck activity, I would give it a 5 out of 10 right now. Uh, we can talk about the variables to, you know, why we think that is. But um, current situation that we've seen over the last couple of days, probably a 5 out of 10. And, and so what are some of those variables? Is it the, the weather, uh, some of the food sources? What do you think is uh, providing that mediocre deer movement right now? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's plenty of food out here. There's there's alfalfa uh, all over the stretch of, of, you know, the majority of the land that we're hunting. But um, we're hitting some pretty dry times and with those dry times uh it's it's pretty unseasonably warm um so just like anywhere else in the 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 country i i personally think that the number one variable to stop you know mature deer movement is heat so when it's high hot they're just bedding down um you know at the same time we've had a couple of encounters um each one of the groups out here has at least you know seen a good shooter um, on each sit, but just numbers, you know, we're not seeing the numbers that we typically would, um, at a place like powder river, but, um, those hot temps, um, should come to a pretty, pretty solid standstill. Um, and like I said, we're seeing a lot of deer activity. I think on our first sit, sit Brady and I saw, I don't know, roughly 70 deer, uh, but they're all, you know, pretty immature. We're talking does and fawns, uh, yearling bucks and maybe some two-year-old bucks. Um, so, so activity overall is really, really high, but we're in a very game rich environment. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there's been a day that's gone by where somebody didn't see, you know, 20, 30 deer. So, um, each of our sits, we're seeing, you know, high numbers, 
uh, but just not yielding those mature animals like it normally would. So we do have uh, some weather changes coming in. Actually, tonight we're supposed to get a front um, moving in and change things up. They haven't seen rain out here in Broadus, Montana in over three weeks. So, like I said, very dry conditions. Um, deer sitting tight, at least the mature uh, mature animals there heading to, to water and and to those food sources after dark. Um, it makes sense. The same thing that any of us would do when it's super hot. We're staying in the air conditioning and moving out to that water hole, you know, after, after the sunset. Now, as you would on, uh, say one of your Midwest properties, you're kind of hunting from bed to food, but how is it different in Eastern Montana than say it would be in Indiana? Yeah. So it's, it's different, very significantly out here. So, uh, we primarily are hunting the Midwest. This is the first opportunity I've, I've had to come out here to Powder River. Our group has hunted out here for several years, but, you know, right off the bat, uh, it's a clear difference. You know, we're hunting farms or ranches that are made up of, you know, 10 sections plus. So a minimum of like 6,000 acres uh, on each of these ranches that, that we're setting stands on. So, and of those, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres of alfalfa. Um, whereas in, you know, Midwest and in Indiana where we're at, we're hunting, you know, maybe a couple hundred piece, a couple hundred acre piece, um, made up of corn and beans. So, you know, at home we're focusing on travel corridors and travel routes this time of year. Um, they're stripping velvet at home pretty, pretty steadily. So, um, we're still looking at those, you know, those long stretches where they're coming out of the heavy timber, going through staging areas and then into the ag fields. Whereas here it's, it's pretty tight, you know, from river, uh, into that, that thick, thick bedding. And then we're right on the edge of, of those alfalfa fields. So we're, we are hunting that, that edge habitat that, you know, that deer love, but, um, it's a much tighter stance between bedding to their food source. Um, so because of that, you know, coupled with the conditions that we, that we have right now, uh, Brady and I are, are hunting afternoons only. Um, you know, the morning, morning sits, uh, it's, it's a little too risky. Um, if we were trying to slip in there, they'd still be on that alfalfa and, you know, we would risk blowing all those deer out, out of the country. So, um, afternoon sits for us. Uh, but like I said, that, that weather pattern should change pretty significantly over the next couple of days. We're seeing some colder temps. Um, I think low in the forties, we've got a, a, about a 180 change in, in wind direction. So, um, you know, over the last couple of days, Brady and I both, we've, we've been climbing into these stands and hunting as marginal as a marginal wind can be. Um, our first set, we had a, a really good buck come out, uh, about maybe 20 minutes before, uh, before last light or before legal light was over, but, um, just caught, just caught enough of our wind to, to turn around and head back to bedding until it was safe to come back out. So, um, we'll see, you know, I, I, I expect things to continue to improve. Um, like I said, everyone in camp has had some, some good encounters, um, and, and numbers are still very, very high on, on immatures. So I'm hoping that this change should, um, should bring those, those mature, more, more mature animals out a little bit earlier. Are you finding a lot of bucks are traveling on their own at this point? Or are they still, uh, hung up in those bachelor groups? Yeah. Funny thing, you know, so all the animals that we're seeing right now, um, are hard horned They're you know, they've already stripped velvet, uh, Montana legalized, uh, trail cameras for, for this year. So powder river has run, been running some trail cameras as, re- as well. Um, and everything that we're seeing is, is hard horned. Um, some very young, very, very immature, you know, like spikes are holding velvet, but that's to be expected. Um, with that though, we are still seeing bachelor groups. 
Um, all of the bucks that Brady and I have seen, they've all been with other bucks. Um, last evening, uh, one of our guys, Clint Schwack, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with, um, Clint had a great set on the river. So, um, again, with these dry, hot conditions, they're using these water sources. And um, just like anywhere else, you know, I think that they tend to uh, to take ownership of, you know, whether it's a bait site or a agriculture site in the Midwest, whatever it is, they tend to take, you know, take ownership of those spots. And last night, Clint's hunting over uh, right on the, the Powder River. And I think, um, you know, a, a good buck showed his dominance in, in taking ownership of that hole, of that water hole on the river. Um, and, and Clint had a good eight point step out and just act a little intimidated about something. Um, and maybe 30 seconds later, then the mature buck popped out all bristled up, just like, you know, he's ready to go like we would expect to see. Um, but funny enough, they're still, they're still grouped. They're still grouped up out here in, in those bachelor bachelor pads. So we sound optimistic. What do you think that buck movement's going to look like on a scale of one to 10 in this next week or so for Montana? Well, we've, we've been optimistic the whole time just because we're in Powder River. You know, this is a, a world-renowned place for any whitetail hunter or any, any hunter for that matter. Um, it's, it's sportsman paradise out here. Um, you know, Brady and I are absolutely having a blast every sit. I think combined over the last three sits, we've seen more out here in Broadus, Montana at Powder River than we did combined all, you know, last season. So there's just high numbers, which keeps us happy and and optimistic about what might pop out at any minute. But with these weather changes, you know, I think we go from probably a five over the last few days to I would expect things to bump up around seven to eight even um, if if the weather holds, if the forecast uh, holds to what it is. Um, you know, we may get a little bit of moisture, um, but definitely a change in the, in the wind and, and temps. So it might be that bump that, that we all like to see this time of year. Um, so I say, uh, over the next few days, probably, a well, let's give it a strong seven and a half. What do you think about that? That sounds good. All right, TJ, well, good luck to you and the rest of the virtue TV crew. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. You guys have a great week and, uh, and stay safe out there. All right. And joining us on the line next is Pat Cutter from Red Hand Outdoor Company in New Jersey. Now, Pat, in New Jersey, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Um, I would say uh, if you're talking about the past couple of days, I would say it's more like a uh, four or five out of of 10. I would say last week, um, opening weekend was very good. Um, Probably like an eight out of 10. But the past couple of days, it's it slowed down a bit, pretty much due to the uh, white oaks dropping. So, now you guys have had some recent success at Red Hand Outdoor Company hunting in New Jersey on that opener. Tell us a little bit about those setups that you had. Yes, um, uh, my my buddy Brian, he killed um, a four and a half year old on I think it was September tenth, I believe, and uh, he's he was hunting. Um, a uh, suburban area and uh it's legal to bait here so uh he was he was running a bait on about a a six six acre piece um all all summer long and he had two shooters on there and one of them being this uh a uh, split brow eight pointer so um he made a perfect shot on that deer and um and then the next night um i was uh, actually hunting about an hour away i i leased about a 300 acre um ag farm it's uh alfalfa and corn pretty much and uh, I've I, I have a number of shooters on that farm this year, and um, the one the one field I uh, witnessed on Sunday night, uh, three or four shooters come out on the north end of the field, 
And um, we got a south wind on Tuesday, so I was able to slip in there on that uh, north end, get a stand in one of the cedar trees, and uh, I was able to capitalize on a 45-yard shot on a five-year-old that we know is lumpfish. <laughs> if you were still hunting right now, do you think those field edges would still be relevant for you on that farm? No, I don't. Um, my, my brother's actually on the lease as well, and the ag fields have pretty much dried up. And that's due to the white oaks are really heavily dropping right now. And, um, you know, he's hunted a couple times and the deer activity has just, you know, gone straight downhill. Um, he did hunt an oak. There, There's a, a cattle pasture leading into uh, one of these alfalfa fields. And there's several big white oaks in there. And he did hunt out of one of those white oaks last night. And he saw, I think eight or 10 deer, no, no shooters, but they were, they were feeding on the oaks heavy. And when do you think that alfalfa field uh, is going to be useful to hunt again? Do you think uh, within a week or so, or might it be October before you're doing some setups there? I would say um, from past experience, early October, they'll start to get pretty good again. Um, you can still catch deer here, here and there on them, but um, you know, oaks is where it's at right now. And are you guys catching any weather from Florence, uh, now that it's made landfall or not yes we are actually i'm sitting in a truck getting poured on right now um the the storm actually looped up and now we're catching the rains from it right now it rained pretty heavy yesterday afternoon and it should be lightening up this afternoon um so me and my brother are actually going out this afternoon we got pictures on a cell cam last night of two shooters in another part of the farm in like kind of like an oak bottom so we're going to try to capitalize on that tonight. Do you put any stock into what the moon might be doing? I know later this week um, we have a phase, a phase that some hunters are excited about, but how about you guys in New Jersey? I do. I do believe in it. Um, this week we are approaching that full moon, and um, you know, I, as you've heard probably Mark Jury say a hundred times, that leading up to that full moon, it um, and, and enhances that feeding pattern, and uh, I do agree with that. Um, so if you're out there and, you, and you're on – some some hot white oaks i think you know this week's a good time to get out there going forward then this next week or so what do you think that buck activity will be on a scale of one to ten in new jersey if you're on some good good white oaks i think the the hunting could be probably a six or seven out of ten but if not i think you're looking at more of a four out of ten so it all it all depends if you're in the right spot pretty much all right, Pat. Well, good luck the rest of the season, and congrats on that great buck that you and your buddy got. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. All right, and joining us on the line last is Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bow Hunter in Missouri. Now, Mike, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, I'd probably say, you know, uh, probably a 6 or 7. It hasn't been that, been that great. Um, uh, the deer are still moving. They're just moving at very last light of things because it's just been super, super hot. What is your strategy then um, mid-September like this when it's super hot if you were trying to get a mature buck on the ground? I mean, we're, we, this is actually one of my favorite times of year to hunt, and um, it doesn't have to be, you know, perfect weather. The deer, you know, have been doing the same thing all summer long. They've been, they're, you know, they're used to the heat too, so... Um, they're still moving. Um, they're just not moving as early and as good as they would uh, with a little front coming through. But uh, we, I actually haven't been hunting yet here in Missouri. I've only been scouting the past couple nights, um, trying to make up for being being gone and being in Montana for 
for the first two weeks of September. So trying to uh, put the legwork in now, but um, some of our guys that have been out hunting um, are seeing, you know, decent activity. Um, I, I think the biggest factor right now for, for us is the acorns are starting to drop uh, here in Missouri. And, you know, what typically would be a bean field with 30 to 40 deer in it every night is, you know, we're seeing eight to 10, you know, fewer deer and, um, they're just not keen on the beans as much. They're starting to turn as well, depending on when they got planted. Um, the ones that got planted earlier in the year are starting to, starting to turn a little bit. So that, that has a factor to it uh, as well. So. Now, I know you mentioned you've been scouting these last couple of evenings, uh, but do you also have some value in trail cameras this time of year as well? Or if you're going to kill a buck, is it because you laid your own eyes on him? Yeah, I mean, trail cameras obviously are extremely important. Um but, um, you know, it, this time of year it can be really tough to get them on camera. I mean, there's just a lot of food in a lot of places. And so, um, you know, there's typical, you know, we have these typical spots of, uh, you know, crossings and, and uh, areas where we get pretty solid trail cam pictures year-round. But um, when it comes to, like, the soybeans, like, you know, the buck can come out of the field in so many different places and just feed out in the middle of the field. So it really can be a difficult time of year to get pictures of them. So, I love being able to glass and being able to see the whole field and, and, and kind of sit back from afar and, uh, and scout it out. And a lot of times, you know, right now I'm doing that from the truck or from on foot, you know, hiking, hiking up to a vantage point to where I can see that. But, um, a lot of times I'll do it from a, from a stand that may be a stand that, you know, you're probably not going to kill anything out of, but you know, you get in there, set up with your bow and, and you never know, but it, what's nice is you, you know, you'd be far enough away to where you can kind of glass everything. And if, you know, you don't see anything close. You can slip out early, you know, undetected. So now last season you killed a big buck at the end of September. Uh, is there anything from that hunt or, or in 2017 that you think you could apply to late September this year? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I, over the past, oh, 10 years or so, I mean, I've had a ton of success, the uh, the first week or two of Missouri season. Um, and it's one of my favorite times of the year to, to hunt because you're, you know, if you're targeting a specific buck, they don't get any more patternable. Um, you're out there killing, you know, any mature buck might be better during the rut, but if you're targeting one specific buck, it's, there's no better time than this time of year. So last year, uh, we just had really consistent weather the first two weeks of season. Just, it wasn't this hot as it is this year, but it was just solid, like mid eighties or eighties, I believe all, you know, all, uh, the first two weeks and we finally got a cold front um that that pushed through that was a big enough you know system to make a difference and that was the night i killed that buck so that was the first real real cold front of the year this year it looks like that's going to be coming uh for us here in missouri um friday so it's gonna be coming in thursday thursday evening i think on friday so the, the highs go from the 90s to the 70s um so a 20 temperature 20 degrees swing in temperature is a huge huge difference and uh, i imagine a lot of deer will go down this weekend I know you guys do a great job of keeping tabs on all your deer, where they're bedding, where they're feeding, stuff like that. Do you notice any bedding changes um, from mid-September here, maybe till mid-October, uh, something that'll make you guys change your strategy once the calendar turns? Yeah, I think it kind of just depends on the deer. Um, actually, the particular deer that I'm trying to key on right now is a deer that uh, he summers on, on our property every year, and then he... Um, and he leaves and so he's I got pictures of him on September 12th but I haven't seen him or got pictures of him since and so I'm a little bit a little bit worried I'm assuming he's gone uh, which is fine 
but he, he's the buck that I'm really focused on now. But I do have another deer uh, that I'm really anxious to see if he shows up because he summers somewhere else and then shows up late September um, on our property. So the deer definitely shift. You know, once they start shedding their velvet, they definitely move and, and they get a little more territorial and they change some of their habits. And it's interesting to see, you know, monitoring trail cameras over the years, how consistent they are. I mean, I, I could tell you this buck's a seven-year-old buck, I believe. Um, maybe six, I can't remember, six or seven. But um, he, uh, every single year, you know, within a few days is when he when, when he leaves the property. And then, um, you know, when he shows back up, it's always within a few days. So it's amazing how, uh, how they get in their habits and, and how their uh, patterns change just like that every single year, almost exactly the same. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity will be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Missouri? Man, it's going to be about as good as it gets in my opinion. I think this this weekend, um, I think you're going to see it up, up probably around a 9, I would guess. Um, you know, Friday through, um, really, you know, there's a, there's, it warms back up a little bit um, early next week, and then another front comes is supposed to be coming through. So going to be some variable, uh, variable weather, which is good for – activity so uh, i'm really looking forward to spending some time in, in the field this next week all right mike well i like your confidence thanks for joining me thanks for having me appreciate it and that concludes this week's episode of wired to haunts rut radio a special thanks to tony tj patrick and mike for joining me and thank you guys for listening as always make sure you follow wired haunt on facebook twitter and instagram and follow rut fresh on facebook twitter and instagram as well Good luck to everyone out there, and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.